0: We are uh, in part two, which I launched last week, of the series that we're doing through this autumn, so, so important, so exciting, so fundamental to who we are as Christians, entitled The Holy Spirit and You. And last week we looked at fellowship with the Holy Spirit Uh, We saw that the Holy Spirit is a person, and if you're a believer in Christ, he dwells in you. And uh, we have the privilege of participating in the life of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Deep friendship, intimate fellowship with him who is our helper in every circumstance of life and who is always with us. That's a very quick uh, summary of last week. And this week, we move on from that to look at being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at, (coughs) excuse me there, Uh, we're going to look at uh, the promise that we have. We're going to look at it in three ways today. Uh, This week, being filled with the Spirit on the basis of, let me just say this first of all. We're a people of the Word and of the Spirit. If we're truly a people of the Word, we will truly be filled with the Spirit. Because the Word of God is absolutely clear that the people of God have been called to be and privileged to be and blessed to be filled with the Spirit. It's not one or the other, it's not opposite ends of the spectrum, but they are together as one. A truly biblically based Christian is a truly filled with the Spirit Christian because the Bible says so clearly, be filled with the Spirit. So we're going to see today the promise made, the promise fulfilled, and then the promise received. And at the end of my message, which I'm going to keep looking at the clock and the band's going to come back and join me, I'm going to invite anybody who wants to come and be freshly filled with the Spirit, to come and be filled afresh with the Spirit. And anybody who's never been prayed for, to be baptised or filled with God's Holy Spirit, to also come and receive even for the first time. And there's going to be opportunity for prayer ministry before we then have to go and get our children and tea, coffee and all the rest of it, because God's in this place. And he's ready to bless us and meet with us afresh again. And as we do that, let's just uh, look then, so we're going to see the promise made, the promise fulfilled, and then we're moving on to the promise received. So what does the Bible teach about the promise made? Well, I'm going to bring three places where the promise, uh, that, and this is the promise that every believer in Christ should be and will be filled with God's Holy Spirit. The first uh, that I'm bringing is a promise made by John the Baptist when by the River Jordan he was baptising many, many people. And he said to them on one occasion, and it's recorded in every single gospel, uh, but in Luke 3.16, for example, he said this, I baptise you with water. He was doing that in the River Jordan for repentance uh, from sin and uh, turning towards God in newness of life. But the one more powerful than I, speaking of Jesus, will come. The thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now that word baptise you with the Holy Spirit, the word baptise was a very common word used in those days. The Greek word baptizo actually just was used in everyday life. It was used, for example, when cloth was dyed and changed colour. So you imagine just a, a white coloured cloth actually being plunged into a liquid dye, maybe purple, until every fibre of that cloth is saturated by the dye, taken out and it's now a purple cloth and not a white cloth anymore or perhaps more familiar to us would be like a dry sponge put into a bucket of water or into a bath and as it comes out again as we all know it is just saturated in the water so much so that the water starts pouring out of it as well that's what the promise that John is saying Jesus would do he would baptize saturate you with his Holy Spirit. And then secondly, we see the same promise made by Jesus, where he uh, promises that the Holy Spirit will flow from within you, the believers, like rivers of living water. So in John 7, we read this, Jesus, in a big feast day in Jerusalem, um, actually on the last and the greatest day of that feast, he stood up and he said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the Spirit has said, streams, or literally, uh, in the Greek again, it's more than just streams, it's rivers of living water will flow from within him. Now, in case there's any doubt, John then commentates on this very staying in the next verse, and he says in verse 39, he says... By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to this time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus is making a promise in the same way that John of Jesus made this promise. And Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in these passages, uh, in this passage as rivers of living water flowing from within. What does that look like? I mean, it's hard to imagine. In the life of someone who comes to him who believes in him, what does it look like? Well, think about our summer series when we looked at the Galatians 5 fruit of the Spirit. Well, what's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? Love, Well, you imagine a river of love flowing from within the believer. Joy, a river of joy flowing out from the believer. Peace, a river of peace flowing out from the believer. Love, joy, peace. Patience, a river of kindness. Rivers of uh, patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's not bad for starters, is it? Rivers of the life of God that wasn't uh, once a part of our life but now is flowing out and making a difference wherever we go. Making a difference in our families, making a difference in our workplaces, making a difference in our friendship groups, making a difference in any sphere of influence that God happens to put us in because the living God is alive and flowing out like a river. But it's more than just fruit, it's gifts and flowing out in gifts, maybe prophecy or tongues or interpretation or healing where the miraculous living God who cares deeply and passionately for people actually is touched. Because there are rivers flowing out from you. Because we're carriers of the very presence of God. And the very life of God, the very goodness of God, just flowing from us. I mean, this is absolutely incredible, is it not? This is a promise made to every believer in Christ. I can remember, uh, well, you'll remember, some of you who have been around for the last few years, uh, that uh, there was a... um, Three years ago, I hit a wall of exhaustion and I had a a number of weeks where I just had to recuperate from that and I went on a uh, number of bike rides, it was a lovely autumn that year and uh, just around the Bedford area around the river and I'm not showing off any photography here, I'm just showing you how God spoke to me on one of those bike rides and if we can just have the next one here, Uh, this is Cardington Lock and a very close-up of two side-by-side sluice gates that uh, God just spoke to me from this passage as I was looking at this. And on the left, I mean beyond you can't even see it, but there's a huge swathe of the river coming down towards this point. Uh, and I just saw it like Jesus, you know, put, <laughs> what a resource of the Holy Spirit. And on the left there was this sluice gate and the, and the, the, the water was just flowing through quite noisy. And, uh, and I just remembered, Jesus said, if you thirst, come to me, and out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And I found God just saying to me, this is what your life is to be like. Now, it's not the first time he said that to me, but he was reminding me of that again. We well, you do need reminding sometimes, don't we, of what God intends. Now, it's very hard to see because it's very dark, but on the right-hand side is another sluice gate, but it was pretty much closed. Now, the base of uh, the uh, channel there uh, in front of the sluice gate was still very moist. Last week, we saw that if you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Yeah. He's not, not there. In fact, if he doesn't live in you, then you're not of Christ at all. We're very clear about that. Uh, that when we come to Christ, he comes to live within us. But as well as the moistness there, there was a lot of debris. There were, and you can see a few of them if you've got good eyesight. Uh, dry leaves. And just to dryness. And you know it's so easy sometimes as Christians not to live in the fullness but just to live in the dampness of the Spirit. And when we live in the dampness of the Spirit all kinds of debris can uh, come in which shouldn't be there. And do you know what Jesus wants to do? He wants to come afresh and just wash all that stuff out. <laughs> and Jesus promised, if you... He who believes in me, it's for believers, if you thirst, come to me and drink, and out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Of this he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. Now, since then, another thing has really struck me about thirst. Because I used to see this as, oh, when you are absolutely parched, like you've been in the desert for 40 days and you're desperate for a drink. You ever been desperate for a drink? And I think, well, that's what you've got to be in order to come to Jesus to drink. Then I realised, how do I actually replenish the liquid that I need inside my body? How do I keep hydrating? I don't rate until I'm absolutely dry and parched. I keep drinking. And actually, that is how I quench my thirst. You keep topping up. You know, I mean, you know, tablets first thing in the morning when you get to my age and my condition, you know, all the rest of it, I won't go into all the details. Uh, But, you know, it's a glass of water straight away. And then it's a cup of tea. And then, you know, by the time I get here, uh, if it's a a day when I'm at uh, the office uh, and the church staff, somebody will say, would you like a cup of tea? And I always say, yes, please. You know, you just keep, you know, you keep. You keep drinking. And Jesus isn't saying, wait till you're utterly parched and dry, and then every so often just get filled again. Keep drinking. We'll see this again. It's going to keep coming up. But the promise was made here that whoever believes in Jesus... Um, Now, the only thing that John commentates on this is that the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, we know that Jesus then went to the cross... He rose again from the dead. He spent 40 days with his disciples. He then ascended into heaven where he was then glorified and from where, as we'll see in a minute, he poured out his spirit. So Jesus was making a promise, just like John the Baptist was. Now after he rose again from the dead, in those 40 days that he was spending with his disciples, he makes the promise again. So he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts 1, to 4-5 and then verse 6, on one occasion when he, that's Jesus, was sitting with them, that's the disciples, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days he will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus said they would be baptized, remember, saturated with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And the result of this was that they would be empowered to be uh, Jesus' witnesses throughout the earth. And more of this uh, in a later week when we look at Empowered, um, in a, um, when we get to November, I think it is. But after Jesus had said these things, he ascended into heaven, sat at the right hand of the Father, and he was glorified. And the disciples themselves obeyed Jesus' command and waited in an upper room until the promise of the Father was fulfilled. So, very simply, a promise was made but secondly the promise was fulfilled and so we read then in Acts 2 1 to 4 when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place this is 120 disciples of Jesus suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them all of them say this all of them not some of them not a few of them it was all of them all right and keep saying like all of them were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them just imagine I estimate roughly we're about 120 in this room at this given moment. And just imagine it, if we're just sitting, like you are now, in prayer, and then suddenly we hear in this room a tornado, a a hurricane, a gale, a typhoon-type sound. No one's getting blown around, it's the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And then suddenly we're seeing, and we all see this simultaneously. No, it's not one person hallucinating. This is God in the room. And, and it's like fire coming from, from heaven. But it doesn't burn physically. It empowers spiritually. And it separates. And upon every one of our heads, there's like a flickering flame representing God's Holy Spirit. And then suddenly we are all simultaneously filled and there's a lot of noise in the room because we're all speaking in languages we never learn and giving glory to God. What an amazing thing. Well, such an amazing thing happened that then the, the, the disciples couldn't stay in the upper room. They ended up going outside into the streets and Thousands, literally, wondered what on earth was going on, thinking some of them were drunk and all kinds of other things. But as they came and said, "Oh, these people are drunk with new wine." Do you know what happens sometimes when you get full of the spirit? You do things you wouldn't otherwise do. You say things you wouldn't otherwise say. You sing things that you wouldn't otherwise sing. That's why they thought they were drunk. They thought, you know. And Peter, that's his cue. stands up in front of everybody. He denied Jesus just recently. He, 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 he was afraid that the same thing would happen to him as happened to Jesus. I mean, he wasn't in any great shape, but suddenly the Spirit comes on him. He sees his cue and he stands up and says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And then he goes on and he says, this is what was promised. By God, here's another place the promise was, through the prophet Joel. And he says this, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And your young men will see visions. And old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on the, in those days and they will prophesy. And then he went on and preached about Jesus. 3,000 people cut to the heart gave their lives to Christ at the end of his message. were added to the 120 and a church was birthed. The promise fulfilled. But then we move on to the promise received. You see, it didn't end with the 120 or 3,120. In Acts 8, we've got the new converts in Samaria, where Philip, an evangelist, goes to a different location, preaches the gospel, great signs and wonders take place as a result of his ministry, and many, many people give their lives to Christ. And then it says this in verses 14 to 17 of Acts 8, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of Isn't that amazing? You imagine it. You know, they heard that Bedford had received the word of God. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, you know, I go back to what Ruth was bringing, uh, tongue and interpretation. I mean, you know, the Samaria, a whole region received the word of God. I mean, so many people had given their lives to Christ, believed in the gospel. It's just absolutely wonderful. And when they arrived, this is Peter and John now, they, uh, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus And then Peter and John placed their hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit. Now, this wasn't any religious exercise. Oh, well, be blessed, Colin. Be blessed, Ruth. Be blessed, Sharon. Be blessed, Eileen. Be blessed, um, Brian. And, uh, you know, just receive. Because we know this, because there was a man who also had been converted whose background was sorcery, not good, whose name was Simon, who wrongly... When he saw Peter and John doing this, he was so impressed with the power of God that was imparted upon those uh, believers uh, that he actually wrongly offered money in order to have the same power that they had. Now, he wouldn't have done that if it had just been a religious exercise. There was a power encounter. And when people get prayed for, when people ask Jesus to fill them with the Holy Spirit, he fills them with his Holy Spirit. When they ask to be baptised with the Holy Spirit, he baptises them with the Holy Spirit. And he really does come. I can remember one occasion preaching a similar message to this years ago. um, And two people came forward to be prayed for. One uh, was a man, one was a lady. And the man who was an extrovert Italian, almost as immediately as being prayed for, started almost doubling up, praising God, and started to speak really loudly in a language that he'd never learned in the gift of tongues. The other person, well, that was quite clearly a power encounter. The lady was just standing there throughout, just like this. Everybody went for tea and coffee. She was still standing there, but I I was a bit concerned. I thought, what is she still waiting? So I went and said, is everything okay? What's happening? And she said, oh, this has been so wonderful. As I've been standing here, I've just been feeling like the tropical, tropical rain is drenching me. And I have been feeling like the love of God is just being poured all over me continually. This is wonderful. Now that's as much a power encounter as the other one. Outwardly, you wouldn't have known, but as you asked the question, see God met with her. I'll tell you, as we pray for people today, you will know a power encounter from God, fullness of the Spirit. And then we keep going through the Acts of the Apostles, and uh, you get uh, uh, the newly converted Saul of Tarsus, and Ananias, believer in Damascus, brave enough to follow God's command and seek Him out. Because he was a persecutor of Christians. And when he went to the house where Saul, who'd met Jesus on the Damascus Road by a vision, um, he said, Brother Saul, Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he laid his hands on him, just like Peter and John. laid his hands on him and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Well, we know the rest of Saul's story, uh, who became Paul. Uh, and uh, how much he valued this wonderful gift. Um, And just on those two, just notice that sometimes it makes a big difference when somebody, when someone's particularly receiving for the first time, just lays their hands on. Literally, it's just like putting a hand on a shoulder on a head and praying, Jesus, just baptise, just fill uh, this precious person with your Holy Spirit. Uh, And he does. It's a very biblical thing uh, to do. We're going to offer to do that for people In a short while. And then we go to Acts 10, we find Cornelius' household, a Roman centurion, a Gentile, gathering his household, his servants, his friends to hear Peter, who he requests to come to explain this good news about Jesus Christ. And while Peter was still speaking to Cornelius and his household, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who'd come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, "So no one, surely no one, can stand in the way of being baptized with water. Uh, stand in their way of being baptized in water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have." Referring to when they received on the day of Pentecost. Do you see? It's an ongoing thing. It wasn't just a once at Pentecost, but new believers coming to Christ also were recipients of this same gift. So much so that when Peter goes back to explain to the apostles who were a little bit cautious about what had just happened in Acts 11, he says, As I began to speak, that's a typical preacher that, by the way, I think he'd said quite a lot by then, but as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptised with water, but you shall be baptised with the Holy Spirit. This baptism with the Holy Spirit is not something to wait for till you feel ready. These didn't know too much. They were just coming to a point of believing themselves as Peter preached. It's a gift of grace. And therefore there's nothing you need to do to earn it. Well, I've got to be a slightly longer in the tooth Christian. I've got to be a, you know, no, 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 no. This is essential from the very beginning. Which takes us to the first believers in Ephesus. And uh, Paul turns up in that part of what is now modern-day Turkey, and he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, well, we'd not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And then Paul talks to them about baptism, and then after they're baptized in the name of Jesus, in verse uh, uh, 6, we read, Paul placed his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. Do you notice in these last two examples of receiving, one of the initial things that they did was either speaking in tongues or prophesying. Now that doesn't always happen. It didn't happen with this lady that I mentioned about, even though there's always a power encounter. But enough helps when it does. And my experience when praying for people is actually that these gifts, and we'll come on to another week when we look at gifts of tongues and also gifts of the Holy Spirit, these gifts are available to be received And uh, so often there's an outflow of what God does in pouring in, an outflow. And one of those of just verbally, people starting to praise God, to thank God, to to worship him. And very often uh, they'll start speaking in tongues uh, or even prophesying. Uh, I had the privilege of being with the impactors for their training week just recently. Um, And we had a whole day on the Holy Spirit and as we had a ministry time for about 45 minutes and a number were saying, asking just to be prayed for, for and receive this uh, gift, um, and uh, a number of them started speaking in tongues. Uh, and there was one uh, of the young men who, who didn't, and I wondered what was, you know, if there was anything. And we, at one point, we said, well, I just stopped everybody, said, well, just tell us what's been happening. All sorts of stories started to be shared. But this young man that I'd noticed, he wasn't speaking in tongues or anything else he said, "Oh, when as, as I just, I've just seen this amazing ocean, the vastness of God's spirit available for all." And then he started to speak more and more. And I said to him, "Have you ever prophesied before?" He said, "No." I said, "Well, you have now?" The spirit had been poured upon him, and he prophesied. This is great stuff, this. But here's the thing. The promise of the Holy Spirit is also for you. And I wonder if the band can just come back and and join me. You see, Paul says... Many years later, to the Ephesian church, which had got much bigger by now, he said, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the whole tense of that is what's called the present continuance tense, He's talking about being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And once being prayed for is not the end of it. We're actually to be filled. Can you just put up the picture that we've got there, um, on the screen? Do you know, sometimes, I used to, when I was a younger man and had a car and didn't have a lot of money, I used to... my my tank of my car looked more like this than anything else and then you put in those days you could put five pound in now it would be twenty quid just to put a bit of petrol in or diesel or whatever and keep going for a while that's not being filled if we have the other one stay full and then keep topping up (laughs) that's what it means about being filled it's not wait till you're empty the same as quenching desperate for thirst anybody thirsty today? I don't know about you, I am. Keep being filled. Can we keep going? Just on the next one. Let me show you this. This is, Paul was addressing a whole church. A whole church when he said to the Ephesians. It's not just each individual. When each individual is filled, you don't have a little tiny sluice gate, you have a great big one. This was the same bike ride at the end of my bike ride, Castle Mill Lock. And you got the sluice gate right down, receiving the resources From Jesus, of the Spirit from behind. That's how God spoke to me. And then the next picture, look at the impact downstream. The city, the town, the region, the country, the nations get affected by what God does in his church. As his church lives filled, continually filled on an ongoing basis with his Spirit. Is that what we're after? Is that what we're ready to receive fresh and more through this series? But even this morning, why don't we stand? And why don't we let the band just lead us in worship for a short while, then I'll come back as we just pray uh, for one another.